Musings on this Monday in July. My guest today is Caitlin Carey. She is town councilor for Newcastle, Colorado, and is running for county commissioner, Garfield County Commissioner. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about you and the office you're running for. Okay. Um, as you said, I'm Caitlin Carey. I live in Newcastle, Colorado. It's a town of about 5,200 people, about three and a half hours west of Denver. So if you are heading west, you just drive straight and turn left, turn right, excuse me, and, and you're in Newcastle. Um, we are kind of near the gateway to the Aspen Pitkin County area. So we are a um, combination tourism and rural area. I've been here for 10 years. The the, the first time I moved to Colorado, I moved out here in 2001 and fell in love with it. Um, but I'm originally from Alabama, Birmingham originally, um, and actually spent some time in Texas right after I graduated from college. So uh, I'm a mom of an uh, almost 11-year-old boy. I am a wife of a brilliant CPA who is the most supportive husband in the world, I think. Um, and we have a dog. <laughs> um, and I run in the mountains around here, which is totally a perk. The office I'm running for is Garfield County Commissioner. Um, 
for folks who aren't familiar with Garfield County, it is uh, a western slope county. It runs from just east of Glenwood Canyon, so about an hour west of Vail, all the way to the Utah line in some places. It is a very purple county, but there's a lot of land mass that would be considered red. The position I'm running for is Garfield County Commissioner. There are three commissioners currently, one who was elected in 2012, one in 2008, and one in 1996, which is the year I graduated from high school. That's the seat I'm running for. So it's been held by the same person, a Republican, since 1996. So that's the seat I'm running for. Well, best of luck with that. Thank you. Today's topic Mm -hmm. is the politics of water. And I have to tell you that this has been so top of mind for me because I just got back from a Mediterranean cruise that ports in Turkey and Greece. And every part of this cruise, even from before taking off, involved the politics of water. Before the cruise left, they had to redo a couple of the ports. We were supposed to go into the Black Sea and stop in Romania and in Bulgaria. They had to cancel those Hmm. because of the war between Russia and Ukraine and how that was affecting, how the violence was spilling into the Black Sea. Yeah. So they moved us over to two more Greek ports. So even before we got started, and there's more about that, but let's get started with you. When you're thinking about the politics of water, where do you want to start on that? So coming from an area like Birmingham, Alabama, water was a non-issue. In fact, it was more of a, there's too much water. Um, We would get tropical storms left over from hurricanes. Sometimes they would still be a hurricane coming through and we would get feet of rain, it seemed like, Mm -hmm. dumped into um, the area. In fact, when I was pregnant with my son, there were three or four huge cottonwood trees that just fell over in the backyard one day. There was no wind. The soil was just that wet. So Mm -hmm. the roots couldn't take hold. So moving to Colorado... Um, not the first time 21 years ago, I, I was just too young and didn't really have a good grasp or an understanding of what it really meant. But as an adult moving and realizing that we have two main water pieces here. One, we don't have enough coming from the sky. There's just not enough. Even if we have, like, we've had a very good snow year this year. Um, some, I don't want to say record breaking snowfall, but some, what it probably was when my grandparents were around um because they lived on the front range of colorado but good good snow i mean we i think there were a couple ski areas that hung on into mid-june and which is remarkable and wonderful we didn't get to ski in june but but it's really amazing that there was that much snow so we even when we have a good snow year we may not have a good spring or summer monsoon season which is what it looks like we're heading into now we had a good snow year a decent spring but the monsoons should have started and we're at three weeks dry right now. I think we have had some sprinkles. Um, so there's there's the aridification piece. So there's not enough water. We are kind of combination high desert, low alpine. We are very, very dry. The other part of that is we are right on the Colorado River. And as I'm sure many of your listeners know, the Colorado River provides water for seven states, the lower basin and the upper basin states. California taking the lion's share of the water. Um, so there's a politics behind that as well. The, the Colorado River Compact of 1922, yeah, because it was 100 years old, 1922 um, was written during a time of very high water and heavy rain. And so what the measurements were then are, are, are really inaccurate for now. So we have two types of water issues. We have the not enough water issue and and the ramifications of that drought and wildfire. And then we have the downstream issues of the Colorado river water. And we, we're fortunate we're high enough up on the river that our communities are pretty sound with water. We also have the roaring fork, which intersects it, but 
the more calls that are put on the river, just the, the harder it is for, you know, they're asking for water that comes from us, which is hard. So we have two real water situations. You know, that that brings me to another situation <clears throat> where the politics of water got into into the cruise, we had an excursion to Pamukkale in Turkey, mm-hmm. which is this beautiful, natural, uh, travertine pools on the side of a cliff uh, of mm-hmm. a mountain in Turkey. There are these white pools, and and, and it. They're made from the hot springs okay. that feed this, this mountain. And then they go into these pools. It's a UNESCO site. A okay. Natural wonder. Beautiful. However, I wish we had gotten to see it 50 years ago because... Mm local politicians allowed the diversion of the majority of those hot springs to area resorts. Mm. And so now it's not getting fed the water that it needs to keep and maintain those pools. They've just got one spring coming out. Oh, wow. Uh, That's a big part of and, and it's a part of what you're talking about with California diverting water from the Colorado River. Right. It's it's tricky. We also actually have some places that are being loved to death like that. Um, if you were to Google something called Hanging Lake that you may be aware of or your listeners may be aware of, it's in Garfield County. It is um, accessible only from... Um, I-70, Interstate 70, there's an exit for that, and it is a beautiful waterfall into this aquamarine pond. Um, And they've had to put up barriers around it because it's not your standard, hey, this is spring runoff, this is runoff water or um, or spring-fed water that you can play in the creek for. This is a a very, very, very very delicate ecosystem that has to be fed with the water. We've We're very fortunate that it's in the middle of the White River National Forest, so there's some protections already in place for that. But we have in the last, I think they were about to start it right before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. They actually had to start permitting um, access to it because there were just so many people going up there and stepping on things they weren't supposed to step on. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that there have had to be protections put into these really natural wonders. There's another one called um, Rifle Falls and Rifle, call, outside Rifle, Colorado, which is also in Garfield County, that is once upon a time, not that long ago, had no barriers with the lower pools. They did have above the falls for safety, but in the lower pools, they didn't. Now, this water goes down to the Colorado River, but it also is an irriga- it is also irrigation water, so it gets pulled out before it even reaches the Colorado but it's, you know, our diversions are historical water rights for agriculture most of the time that we have up in our area. Newcastle is reliant on the water of uh, Elk Creek. So we actually do not pull our water from the Colorado River, which we're very fortunate for. But it is a creek. It, um, it limits growth just because it's a creek. Um, it also is in two drainages. It comes from an east and a west out creek. It could be in drainages where if there were a wildfire, it would detrimentally impact our drinking water. So, th- I mean, there's there's more layers than you can possibly imagine to peel back to the politics of water and even to the science of water. Let's take a moment here now. Today's music is provided by 80s political power ballads. One of the biggest of those, this one is from U2, 1984, Pride, in the name of love. Something I I didn't really even realize until today when I was looking it up is that this song is about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., And there's a line in it about early evening, April 4, a shot rings out in the Memphis skies. Mm -hmm. 
So here it is from YouTube Pride. tuning in you're listening to political musings my name is amy manuel my guest today is caitlin carey running for garfield county commissioner in colorado outside of denver mm-hmm. we're talking about the politics of water caitlin before the break mm-hmm. we were talking about diverting of water mm-hmm. And uh, another thing that we talked about was too much or too little. It, it it seems like there's either too much or there's too little water. Mm-hmm. Uh, being from Beaumont, Texas, I understand, like you from Alabama, we had hurricanes that come, come, yeah. used to be a more rare thing and mostly much smaller that came through Beaumont. Mm-hmm. But since I've left... We had Rita right after mm-hmm. Katrina. Mm-hmm. The uh, we've had Ike 
and we had Harvey and Donna and I don't even know. We we've had so many. And they're huge. They're the size of the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, they're enormous. Enormous. Uh, Harvey did something that few hurricanes would do. Usually once, if if a hurricane went in, uh, you know, in the Corpus Christi area, which mm-hmm. that's what Harvey did originally, just a little bit north of, of uh, up the coast from Corpus Christi. Beaumont's in the clear, right? Right. Now, I still have family there. I have, I have family both in Beaumont and in Houston. That hurricane went back out in the Gulf, went back in at Houston, went back out, went back in in Beaumont, went back out, went back in in Port Arthur, and just kept going in and out and dumping feet of water. I, I saw, there's a video you can go online onto YouTube, and you will see... I-10, just outside of Beaumont, in between Houston and Beaumont, Mm -hmm. the sign for the turnoff to go to Winnie, Mm -hmm. it looks like it's in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. That's how high the water is. And this is I-10. I-10 is not down on the ground. This is built up high. But you can't even see the road. Right. just, it looks like it's the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And so yeah. you have that, but then on the flip side of the, that, you have forest, uh, you have fires, not forest fires, you have just fires all over because of the lack of rain and how dry it is. And, and uh, one of the things you always hear is every drought ends in a flood. And the reason is yep. the ground gets so hard it won't absorb right. the water. right. We were, in fact, cut off. I think it was 2020. Yeah, 2020. So in 2020, Garfield County experienced a number of fires. Um, probably the most famous um, it was the Grizzly Creek fire. And it because it happened in Glenwood Canyon. And Glenwood Canyon is... Um, Glenwood Canyon is where I-70 runs. There is basically one road east and west that doesn't make you go up over mountain passes in Colorado, and that's I-70. Glenwood Canyon is this very, very old, it is almost ethereal canyon that runs along the Colorado River. It is just stunning. And one day, a and I'm, I'm not sure if they really figured out what it was. There's kind of been a, it was a cigarette or it was a chain or it was a combination, but something sparked a fire into this massive fire that shut down the canyon for quite a while. They got the fire kind of taken care of, and then we had mudslides the next year that shut the canyon down again. Now, we get rock slides in the wintertime because of the freeze-thaw, um, especially once it's not, you know, the, the cold, cold part of winter. So, we get rock slides that'll close the canyon for a week, but these mudslides, in fact, we were flying back in. We were flying into the Eagle Vale Airport from visiting family, and when we left the ground in Dallas, I-70 was open. And when we landed, everybody turned their phones on. All you could hear were these notifications, just everybody's notifi- notification going off and everybody's saying, well, crap, because nobody could get home. Mm. The, the two ways to get home was a dirt road that was washed out because of the rain. And or, or you go about five hours south or five hours north. That's it. Um, so there is that too much water. And it's not necessarily too much water. It's any water that triggers a mudslide or a rock slide, which is what that was. Um, we actually have a fire in Garfield County right now. It's called the Spring Creek Fire. And we're very fortunate that we just have the one. Um, this one is, last I checked, about 32, 3,300 acres. It was 37, 39% contained. There's about five, 600 personnel on fire, in, um, excuse me, on site, including uh, slurry planes, which if you've not ever seen a passenger plane dive really low to the ground and drop a bunch of red flurry or slurry, it's worth your time on the internet to find. It's pretty <laughs> wait, interesting wait, to What is them. red slurry? Are, so slurry's fire retardant. Oh. It's bright red and it's fire retardant. Um, we had a fire that was in Garfield and Eagle County in 2018, um, but it was in some high mountains. And to see a, and at the Grizzly Creek fire, like cut through a canyon, see a DC-10 
cut through a canyon and drop this orange, this red stuff everywhere is a sight to behold, um, to say the very least. We're very grateful for those pilots. But right now we have enough moisture from about 9,000 feet above that they're not terribly concerned. But anything below 9,000 feet has dried out because we haven't had rain in three weeks. So we have this gorgeous green grass that's up to my waist. The, the native grasses are up to my waist. They're so tall and they're green, but they're drying out very quickly because we haven't had any rain. So it's, it is, it's a too much or a too little thing. And there's really never a balance. Um, I know California is experiencing, you know, they've experienced drought after drought after drought, just like we have. It just looks different in different places. And they've also had mudslides and fires. Yep, because they had a ton of snow. I mean, they have like 800, 900 inches of snow, which is astonishing. We went to Wyoming to ski this spring break for my son's um, spring break for my son because he really likes skiing and he stood next to a compounded almost 800 inches <laughs> it is it is something else for sure it was unbelievable well i guess that's a good thing because when when my husband and i got married back in <laughs> 1998 long time ago we went on a honeymoon at lake tahoe we okay stayed on the north side of the lake and did a lot of skiing and it was lovely mm-hmm when, uh, but there were also a couple of blizzards while we were there. When we went back in 2018. Wow. Yeah. None. Mm-hmm. None of the ski resorts were open. There was not any snow on the mountains. Yeah. I remember that year was a really rough year for, for California. They've had a better year this year. <laughs> They actually had to close because they had too much snow, but it'll go. I mean, and that's the thing is there's a lot of conversation that, oh, okay, we're out of the drought cycle and we're not out of the drought cycle. One of the things, um, and I can't remember where it was, what science journal it was that I saw this in, but we're in a cycle where there's going to be heavier, shorter, stranger time of year periods, and then it's going to be drier. So it's going, instead of it being, if you think of it as an even distribution of moisture or a, a historically normal distribution of, norm, of of moisture throughout the year, that is going to change. And it's going to be lumped kind of in one time period. So and then it's going to be all be, or nothing. Yeah, it's going to be all, an all or nothing thing. And as the air gets hotter, it's going to pull more moisture out of the, the reservoirs and the rivers that we have. So in turn... Even though the clouds are getting heavier, they're going to drop less moisture with the exception of in, in specific pockets. Um, one of the things I've really noticed, and, and you can probably speak to this as we were talking about the hurricanes being so much larger and much more intense, is that the amount of rain that my hometown is getting is just off the charts strange. Mm-hmm. The inverse of that is that we are substantially lower than normal. So the same amount of water is there. It's just going to different places. Let's take another little break Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, This one is from one of my favorite albums. It's Don Henley, The End of Innocence, 1989. Also on this album is a song that I have often played just because it has my favorite line in it. The song is called If Dirt Were Dollars. Oh, yeah. Which has the line, I was flying down to Lubbock, I saw Jesus on a plane, or maybe it was Elvis. You know, they kind of look the same. Yep. (laughs) I love that line. But this song actually mentions, it mentions Reagan and Mm -hmm. uh, war. Let me pull up that line. Uh... They're beating plowshares into swords for this tired old man we elected king. Armchair warriors often fail. We've been poisoned by these fairy tales. The lawyers clean up all the tales since daddy had to lie. Great song. Here it is. 1980s power ballad. End of Innocence, Don Henley.
Joining me, you're listening to Political Musings. My guest today is Caitlin Carey. She's running for Garfield County Commissioner in Colorado, uh, just outside of Denver. And we are talking about the politics of water. I keep going back to this cruise because it's top of mind for me. One of the things that amazed me 
we stopped our first excursion was Santorini. Oh, wow. And we visited the ruins of Akrotiri. Mm -hmm. This is a Minoan 5,000, 6,000-year-old civilization. They had hot and cold running water. They had indoor plumbing. You see a toilet, a 5,000-year-old toilet. There is a 5,000-year-old bathtub. Oh, my gosh. 5,000 years ago, in this island community run by women, I think maybe that has something to do with the success of it up until... The, the thing that took it out was a volcano, because it's a volcanic island. <laughs> but they had indoor plumbing. And yeah. there were places in the 20th century... In the United States, they didn't have indoor plumbing. No. Oh. It's interesting that we had to refigure it out. <laughs> exactly. We meaning civilization. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity to travel as much as you have or as much as my husband or my in-laws have. They're all on the bucket list. Um, but Santorini's on there. <laughs> Somebody I know went not long ago and I saw some pictures and I was like, all right, just... Move it to the top of the list. Let's just move it to the top of the list. I, but I do think it's really interesting that, number one, it was a women-run run, ran society, which is a conversation for a different day. Um, but that they, ha like they had all of these amenities that we didn't think that they had. I mean, when you think of a population or a civilization from 5,000 years ago, you don't think indoor hot and cold running water and indoor plumbing and not having to go to an outhouse. You just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. They had wastewater management. I'm interested in that. That's interesting. <laughs> in other words, this toilet went through a hole down into the ground that led to uh, a place that, that took away this wastewater. So it, it, <laughs> think about that thousands of years ago thousands of years before the common era and and for those of you who are not familiar the rest of the world doesn't say before christ because that would implies christianity and right. if you do not believe that there has been a christ then there's no before it so it, the rest of the world uses before the common era, E-R-A, not E-R-R-O-R, -R -R, but E-R-A, era. Interesting. I've heard that, but I think I had forgotten that just because it's not part of our conversations. Right. <laughs> but, you know, so two of the things that I've gotten to do um, as town counselor, which I think are absolutely fascinating, um, is I toured the wastewater treatment plant and the freshwater plant, the our water treatment plant for drinking and irrigation. And... God, this is smartest people in town, hands down. Um, you know, people don't think of employees at a wastewater treatment plant of being chemists and biologists, but that is, in fact, what they are. Um, and just my son came with us to the wastewater treatment plant, and he was very, very taken with the, the research of the organisms that are in the wastewater because um, he is a science kid. There, there are water bears in there, and he has always been fascinated with water bears because they are very, very, in, in the ocean where you find them is very, very, very deep where it's very, very, very hot um, next to fissures in the, in the crust. So finding out what they do has just been phenomenal. The, um, the water treatment plant for our fresh water, for our drinking water, was just spectacular. Um, they, they put on a really good, they, they prepared for me, which I was tremendously humbled by. Um, it's just so remarkable to see what goes into making sure that our water is clean. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with water, but they measure the dirtiness or the cleanliness of a water with an NTU. Um, and I can't remember what that is right now because I was so taken aback by the numbers. So we get our water from a creek, which is lovely and exciting and wonderful. If you were to pick it up and look at it with the naked eye and as clear as a bell, you would think you could slurp it up. Mm -hmm. 
the water from the Colorado River obviously comes from higher mountains. It comes through more agriculture. It is goes through a hydro plant in Glenwood Canyon. It is a uh, navigable waterway for trawler, like fishing boats and kayaks and canoes and heavy recreation on um, rafts, which is super fun, I have to say. Love rafting. And so there's a whole different set of stuff that comes into the river where we are and the water that is pulled out of the Colorado river is at about 600 NTUs. If I remember them telling me this correctly, the water that we drink that we get before it's treated is at 20. So then they, they clean it till about 0.02. If I'm remembering correctly, it was, it was something that was so astonishing and how they do it and just how they just basically run the water through natural materials to clean it was just, I know it was fascinating. It was one of the most fascinating. Everybody should get to go through their wastewater and water treatment plant because first of all, you would have a tremendous respect, new respect for the people who work in those services, but a tremendous respect for the resource that we have that is finite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm glad that you said that. I'm fascinated that they had a water wastewater treatment plant in Santorini 5,000 years ago. Well, was it fascinated. a wastewater treatment plant, to be clear? They just had a way of uh, moving Tr- that. Handling wastewater. Handling wastewater. Yeah. And Sorry, I misspoke. My misspeak. I apologize. <laughs> I, that would be pretty amazing but i it's it's amazing all on its own that that yeah that they were handling it on this little island in the middle of the mediterranean right thousands of years ago stunning wow let me ask you a little bit about how at the city council level Mm -hmm. and at the county commissioner's level Mm -hmm your interactions and what you can do to protect the water and to um, properly use it. Okay. So from a town, so we are very fortunate that we have the Colorado river district. It's based in Glenwood Springs. It is um, essentially their mission is to protect and help steward the Colorado river water. Um, They are the ones who advise on legislation and things like that because the Colorado River is really handled at a federal level. So we have um, input, but not a ton of say, which is fine. It's it's not our water. It's like it's not ours. And and water law is um, an incredibly complicated and deep subject that honestly, in law school, we did not touch. It is very specialized. Um, so I, that is a very different side of the conversation. But as far as towns, since we actually don't pull water from the Colorado River with the exception of in an emergency, we can encourage our residents to do things that are less water intensive. My neighbor, in fact, just moved her entire front lawn to Zeriscape. So she has some plants in there that she waters relatively infrequently. She's trying to get them settled and and established a little bit more now than she will be. But it looks lovely, and it was all green grass. Um, Our house, which we actually just moved into last August, you know, one of the things that we have had a conversation about is, number one, I want some defensible space between the side of our house and anything that is could potentially be fuel and the suggestion is five feet so we're working on a plan to do that which is sad because i'm going to have to pull out some lavender Mm um we'll replant it the other piece is minimizing the amount of grass you have and also using a grass that is built for this area now i'm from alabama we got kentucky bluegrass all over the place it is lovely and soft to walk in it is not made for high desert Mm-hmm. So trying to just educate the community on types of grasses to pit in, how we can do zeriscaping and it still look lovely and beautiful and how to take care of that um, is one thing. One of the things I would really like to do at a commissioner level is to incorporate our unincorporated areas. So the county commissioners are tasked with oversight of the entire county, which means municipalities as a, like as a, a, an overarching umbrella. 
and then directly with the unincorporated areas. And while we have commissions and such that address water needs, what I would like to see happen is a coalition of elected officials and agriculture folks and uh, river users, uh, our biologists from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, our recreation users, some individuals from the rafting companies, our angling companies, um, these unincorporated areas. One of them is called No Name Colorado, by the way, which is just fun. Um, <laughs> it's literally called No Name. Um, individuals from these municipal, like, excuse me, not municipalities, these unincorporated areas that don't necessarily have a voice. And it's not a coalition to legislate or to oversee. It's just a coalition to say, hey, here is what we are seeing in our area, the impacts of the water situation where we are now. Um, if there's a mudslide, we see a huge impact to the fish. Mm -hmm. um, last summer, they had to shut the river down to fishing, the Colorado River down to fishing, and I believe the Roaring Fork, because the water was too hot. It was too much stress on the fish. Mm -hmm. It was just too much stress. We have seen, there was actually an article that came out in um, the Colorado Public Radio, the, the written and the verbal, talking about just the number of fish that we've seen in a in a given measurable area has just dropped has dropped dramatically in the last 20 years. And while people don't necessarily understand or recognize that fish, you know, that what happens with the fish is a good indicator of the health of the river and the health of the ecology. And part of the reason we need to make sure that the river is healthy, and by the river, I'm talking about the Colorado River, I'm talking about the Roaring Fork, the Eagle River, any of the rivers anywhere, even the Mississippi, um, the health of the river is vitally important because if we do not have the tools necessary to be able to clean that water because it becomes so nasty, then we have a drinking water problem or an irrigation water problem. So I would really like to see just kind of eyes at river level, have conversations to advise the county so that the county can in turn work with the Colorado River District and the Middle Colorado Watershed Coalition to better, to make sure everybody is well informed. We don't have a lot of control over what happens to the river water, but what we can do is to make sure that everybody's informed and that we can educate people on how to better use their water at their home. And I would also like to see the school districts water less. <laughs> Yes. You know, one and of the things simple. they're doing in my town, which you lived in for a little while in Denton, mm -hmm. they are no longer going to have grass in the medians. They're going to put wildflowers mm -hmm. and they are not going to mow and water of the, the easements on the sides and in the center of the road. They're stopping doing that. Uh, That's a huge thing. The city of Thornton did that um, on the Front Range. So Thornton is out close to the airport. Well, on the Front Range of Colorado, we're on the Western Slope. They did that. Um, and Aurora's done a lot of that, which is a huge, huge municipality. And they've seen a, a drop in water usage based on that, which is, you know, it doesn't look, our idea of what is aesthetically pleasing is not always what is good for the area. You and I come from a place where soft grass is easy. Mm -hmm. Do I want gorgeous soft grass that I can walk in barefoot? Of course. But that's <laughs> not what that's not what this part of the country was made for. It's very, very different. Um, I said, as long, told my husband, as long as I have a little bit of a patch where I can walk around barefoot uh -huh. and have my grass therapy, I'm fine. <laughs> but we have to change our view of what is aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. to what is sustainable mm -hmm. and what is native. And that takes a mind shift, a mind, what is it? A perspective shift. Can't yeah. get the word right. A perspective shift. And that's hard. Well, one of the things that I've been trying to do, because personally, I would like to get rid of all of the grass in my yard, but my husband is not okay with that. 
<laughs> I've been <laughs> taking over large swaths and putting flower beds in. <laughs> and uh, I've been trying, but uh, the problem in North Texas is everywhere they plant this Bermuda grass, with it, yep. which is invasive. It's an allergen. And uh, as far as I can tell, it only grows where you don't want it to grow. I remember Bermuda. It doesn't grow where you want it to grow. And it's also related to ragweed. Yeah. So we're is- just filling our yards with ragweed. But yeah. you can get native grass seeds. And it, it actually would probably work better for you than it did for yeah. me. Because uh, what I was told by A. Whitney Brown when he was on, mm-hmm. he now works for the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower oh. Center. Gotcha. What he said is that you get too much rain in North Texas to use the native flowers that they, uh, the native grasses that you can get from seed source. Which is yeah. the Lady Bird Johnson. But it sounds like you're high desert. You don't yep. have that problem and you could use that. Yep, we can use, um, I think it's fescue and Bermuda. Um, we just have to, I think my husband's plan is to pull it all out a little bit um, at a time and then just seed it. Um, I'm from Alabama. We use sod. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I mean, in Beaumont, you know, they would sod in um, a lot more St. Augustine, which likes water. But Beaumont, that was not a problem in Beaumont. You see less of that up here. You see the Bermuda grass, which is, I think, is just evil. And uh, uses a lot of water. And it's, it's just, it's awful. I have allergies, and so that's a big concern for me as well. But people can, they can zero scape. They can put in hardscaping. They can put in flower beds and native grasses, and they can reduce their water usage just by changing what's in their own landscape. And I think that's important. Let's take a little break here. This one is from Genesis, oh, 1986. Wow. Got a really fun video that goes with it. If you want to go out there on YouTube and watch it, it's got Muppets in it. This is Land <laughs> of Confusion, 1986, from Genesis.
Land of Confusion, Genesis. Great song. You've been listening to Political Musings, my guest today, Caitlin Carey, running for Garfield County Commissioner. She's on the town council for Newcastle, Colorado. Caitlin, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience? Well, um, if you're not familiar with Garfield County, check it out. Um, We have a lot of really great stuff. We have river rafting. We have skiing in the wintertime. I'm partial to it. Um, In fact, we actually have a lot of Texans come around, especially wintertime. They like sunlight, (laughs) uh, which is the ski area. Um, Water is really, really important. And it's not something that when you're in a place where there is an abundance of water, we always think about. However, it's going to begin to really impact everyone as the climate continues to change and to shift and as the population of the planet continues to shift. So if you are interested in water, I encourage you to check it out. And if you're interested in the campaign, you can check out the website. I think they're going to put it in the link, but it's Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N, the number four, GarfieldCounty.com. Is county spelled out? Yes, ma'am. All right. So the number four, Caitlin for Garfield County.com. Yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, Y'all go out there and donate. I would appreciate it. I ask people say, oh, I donate to the Democratic Party or I donated to President Biden or to whoever's running for Senate. These folks down at the county level and the local level, it costs a lot of money to run for office. I know I've done it. In fact, I've run for county commissioner unsuccessfully. But they need your help. And I I encourage everyone, go out there, look up Caitlin, donate. Donate to your local campaigns, to people running around you. But reach out to these folks. They're, they're not getting any national help. They're probably not getting any state le- help. They're doing good if they get a little bit of local help <laughs> and county level from, from the parties. But for the most part, it's all on them and it's costly. I want to thank you for stepping up to the plate, for being a local leader, being thank on you. the town council, and for running for office good for you. Thank you. That's all we have for today. I remind you as I remind you every week, get registered, get informed, get politically active. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me. Now, here is Billy Joel with We Didn't Start the Fire.
Mixing back again, moonshot, Woodstock, Watergate, 